Section 78 of Mysteries of London, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mysteries of London, Volume 4, by George W. M. Reynolds. An unexpected visit and a dreaded arrival. The moment Laura heard the outer door close behind the Marquis of Delmore, she exclaimed aloud, I have triumphed, I have triumphed. He is in my power, he fell at my feet. He said, Laura, I adore you, and the proof of his utter credulity is here, here. Thus speaking, she clutched the draft for sixty thousand pounds, devoured it with her eyes, and then secured it in her writing desk. Yes, sixty thousand pounds, she murmured to herself, as she resumed her voluptuously reclining position upon the ottoman. Sixty thousand pounds, gained with but little trouble and in a short time. It would scarcely matter if I never touched another piece of gold from his purse, for I am now independent of him, of the hated Hatfields, of all the world. But I will not abandon my doting English marquis in a hurry. I will not cast aside a noble man who is so generous, so rich, so confiding. No, no, he will be worth two hundred thousand pounds to me, and then, yes, then, I may espouse a peer of high title. My fortune is assured, my destiny is within the range of prophecy. I have taken a tremendous step this evening. An hour has seen me grow suddenly rich, already the possessor of sixty thousand pounds, thanks to this more than human beauty of mine, thanks to that witchery of manner which I know so well how to assume, and thanks also to that fascinating influence wherewith I can invest my language at will. The Marquis has become my slave. Thus does the strong-minded, the resolute, the intellectual man succumb to woman, when she dazzles him with her loveliness and bewilders him with her guile. Sixty thousand pounds now own me as their mistress. Tis glorious to possess great wealth, but tis an Elysian happiness, a burning joy, a proud triumph to feel that I am released from the thraldom of those Hatfields, or rather from a state of dependence upon the father of him whom I lately loved so well, and my mother, too, my selfish, intriguing, deceitful old mother, who has ever hoped to make a profitable market of my charms, and hold despotic sway over me at the same time. She is no longer necessary to me, and I may in a moment assert my independence, should she dare to attempt to tyrannize again, the mad old fool, to fancy that she will succeed in discovering Torrens, or, even if she did, to hope that she could compel him to disgorge the treasures which he has periled his life here and his soul hereafter to gain. She will return to me penniless, totally dependent upon me, and I shall allow her a small income on condition that she locates herself in some obscure spot, whence her machinations and her intrigues cannot reach me. Not for worlds would I have her fastened to my apron strings in London, that London whither I am about to return, and where I may yet hope to punish that Mr. Hatfield who, for a time, so savagely triumphed over me. No, my mother must be forced into seclusion. Her notoriety of character would ruin me, constantly incurring the chance of being discovered as the Mrs. Slingsby of former years. 
certain to be recognized as the mrs fitzhardinge who was arrested on suspicion of being concerned in the murder of the old miser and having evidently entered into some intrigue which has brought her under the notice of the marquis of delmore she can no longer be allowed to associate with me her day has gone by mine has scarcely begun laura the beauteous wanton unprincipled laura had reached this point in her musings when she was startled by an unusually violent ringing at the front door bell and in a few moments a gentle man burst into the room his impatience having urged him to cast away all ceremony and dispense with the introductory agency of rosalie who had uttered an ejaculation of surprise on beholding him captain barthelma cried laura in an astonishment which even surpassed that of her abigail yes my angel it is i exclaimed the enthusiastic young italian as bounding towards laura he caught her in his arms his lips were instantaneously fastened to her ripe mouth and remembering the night of love and pleasure which she had passed with him she experienced no vexation at his sudden and most unexpected appearance can you pardon me for this intrusion he demanded at length loosening her from his embrace but seating himself closely by her side on the ottoman and taking her hands in his own can you pardon me i ask adorable woman he repeated gazing upon her in boundless and passionate admiration it seems that it were useless to be offended with you she replied smiling with voluptuous sweetness oh then you will not upbraid me you will not reproach me with having broken the solemn promise that i made you to depart and seek to see you no more in paris he exclaimed but even if you were inclined to be angry laura it could not in justice be upon me that your wrath would fall you must blame your own matchless beauty you must take all the fault on to yourself i feel that i cannot live without you ever since we parted my brain has been in a ceaseless ferment my soul a prey to incessant excitement by day and by night has your lovely image been before me by day and by night have i fancied that i heard your voice pouring forth the most eloquent music i have dreamt that your lips breathing odors and bathed with sweets were pressed to mine and your looks beaming love and happiness and joy have ever been fixed on mine oh my imagination has maintained me in a condition of such pleasing pain that i have been in a species of restless elysium a giddy and sometimes agonizing whirl although the scene was paradise at length i could endure this state no longer and when at a considerable distance from paris on the road to italy i suddenly and secretly quitted the service of the grand duke oh what madness what insanity exclaimed laura grieved that the handsome young castasicalan should have made so deep a sacrifice for her inasmuch as his generous devotion had not only flattered her pride but also touched her soul it may be madness it may be insanity repeated lorenzo barthelma with impassioned warmth but those words must in that case be taken only as other terms for the deepest sincerest and most ardent devotion were i a beggar on the face of the earth i should have acted in the same manner because i should have come to you i should have thrown myself at your feet i should have implored you to render me happy and in return i should have toiled from morning to night to make up for the deficiency of my means generous lorenzo exclaimed laura 
speaking with more sincerity than had characterized her words for years. Ah, then you are somewhat touched by my devotion, angelic woman, cried the handsome young officer, drawing her still more closely towards him, and passing his arm round her slender waist. But happily I am no pauper. Fortunately I am not dependent upon my own exertions. When I was with you before, my adorable Laura, I told you that I possessed a competency, and I then offered to link my destinies with yours for ever. Now my circumstances have materially altered, and I rejoice in the fact, for the French papers of this day contain intelligence of the death of my cousin, the Count of Carignano at Montoni, and by that unexpected event I have succeeded alike to his title and his princely revenues. Oh, my beloved Lorenzo, exclaimed Laura, now giving way to all that tenderness towards him which was really in accordance with her inclinations but which her more selfish interests would have prompted her to subdue and stifle had not this last announcement met her ear oh my beloved lorenzo she cried pressing closer to him so that he could feel her bosom throbbing like the undulations of a mighty tide for she was now powerfully excited alike morally and sensually how can i reward how recompense this generosity on your part by becoming my wife yes my wife laura if you will returned the enraptured young man for you know not how i love you how intense is the passion with which you have inspired me i am blind and deaf to all everything save your beauties and your witching voice if you be the greatest profligate the world ever saw i care not so madly do i love you and when this delirium shall have passed away lorenzo murmured laura concealing her burning countenance on his breast you will repent the rashness which induced you to wed with one who had so easily abandoned herself to you when a complete stranger and whom whom you knew to be on chase even then she added her voice becoming touchingly low and tremulously plaintive to suspect even for an instant that i should ever repent of making you my wife laura is to doubt my love said the count of carignano for such we may now call him and that wounds me to the very soul tis sufficient for me to know that you are an angel of beauty and i reck not if you are a demoness in character but that i am sure is impossible your loveliness may have led you into temptations and your temperament may have induced you to yield but that you are generous good amiable i am convinced laura and that you will prove faithful to one who places all his own happiness in you and who will study incessantly to promote yours oh of that i am well assured also say then my adored one can you consent to become the countess of carignano with a revenue of twelve thousand a year not for the dross oh not for the despicable dross murmured laura scarcely able to restrain her joy within reasonable bounds and induce her suitor to believe that no selfish interests were mixed up with the motives for that assent which she was about to give not for vile and sordid gold lorenzo do i respond in the affirmative to the generous proposal that you have now made to me because i myself am possessed of a fortune of sixty thousand pounds but it is because i love you yes i love you my handsome lorenzo say no more laura 
beloved laura interrupted the impassioned young nobleman straining her to his breast then fondly oh how fondly did he gaze upon her upon her that guileful woman reading the reflection of his own voluptuous feelings in her fine large eyes and then bestowing upon her the most ardent caresses several minutes passed away minutes that glided by with rapid and silent wings and the handsome pair scarcely noticed that a single second had elapsed since last they spoke tell me my sweet laura at length said the count toying with the glossy and fragrant tresses of her hair tell me what meant certain words which you addressed to me on that evening when i was first blessed with your kindness you declared that you could not marry me although you were not married that you could not be my mistress although you were not the mistress of another and that you could not hold out any hope to me although you were pledged to no other man that language apparently so mysterious is easily explained said laura forcing a deep blush into her cheeks as she spoke and winding one of her snow-white and naked arms round her lover's neck so that the contact of the firm warm flesh against his cheek sent the blood rushing through his veins in boiling currents i had abandoned myself to you in a moment of caprice no of weakness of passion which i could not subdue i had yielded to an invincible impulse not knowing its nature and not waiting to ask myself the question but when you had been with me a short time i felt that i could love you yes deeply tenderly love you and as i fancied that even though you protested the contrary you could entertain no lasting affection for me but on the other hand would soon regret any hastily and rashly formed connection i was resolved not to place my own heart in jeopardy nor incur the risk of loving well and then sustaining a cruel disappointment for i feared that you addressed me in an impassioned tone only because you were laboring under the delirium of passing excitement and strong though evanescent feelings thus was it then for my own sake that i spoke mysteriously to you in order to convince you of the necessity of seeing me no more but now my lorenzo now that you have had several days to reflect upon the proposal which you then made me now that i have received such unequivocal proofs of your love and that i no longer fear lest you should be acting in obedience to a sudden impulse oh now i say i can hesitate no longer and i will become your wife the count of cargnano drank in the delicious poison of her words until his very soul was intoxicated and loving so well as did this generous-hearted confiding young man he paused for an instant to demand of himself whether he were loving wisely but he was contented to risk all and everything happiness honor fame and name in this marriage upon which he had set his mind he longed he burnt he craved to possess laura altogether to have her to himself and he felt jealous of all the rest of the world until the nuptial knot should have been tied it is in this humor and in such a temperament that the highest peer will marry an actress who would jump at an offer to become his pensioned mistress for a few hundreds a year and laura what was passing in her mind the readers may easily conceive and yet 
lest there should be one or two of imaginations so opaque as not to be able to divine her thoughts we will describe them as succinctly as possible she had run down the institution of marriage when in conversation with the marquis of delmore because she knew that he was already bound in matrimonial bonds and that she therefore could not become his wife the result was that she was enabled to consent to become his mistress with much less apparent violation of decency and without the risk of shocking his feelings and his mistress she would have become as she indeed promised had not the arrival of the count of carignano turned her thoughts into an entirely new channel and placed her interests altogether in a new light from the moment that he announced his title and his wealth laura resolved to throw the poor marquis of delmore overboard and accept the proposals of the italian nobleman in fact fortune appeared to favor laura marvelously ere now she had beholden a coronet at the end of a vista of some years in her musings she had said the marquis will be worth two hundred thousand pounds to me and then i may espouse a peer of high title such was her ambitious speculation previously to the arrival of lorenzo and now since he had come she no longer need pass through the apprenticeship of mistress to one nobleman in order to become the wife of another no a coronet was within her grasp a few days a few hours might behold her countess of corignano with a husband of whom she could not but be proud and not with an animated corpse bound to her side here was another triumph for laura another cause of glorification in the possession of those matchless charms which thus captivated so hastily and triumphed so effectually within a few short weeks she had seen charles hatfield the marquis of delmore and the count of carignano at her feet the first and last had enjoyed her favors the second was in anticipation of them and in that anticipation had paid sixty thousand pounds to the first she was wedded and their marriage was a secret to the last she had consented to be allied and their union would be proclaimed to all the world oh associated with all these reflections were triumphs glorious triumphs for laura mortimer and as those thoughts rushed through her mind as she lay half embraced in the arms of the fond and doting italian nobleman the delicious rosiness of animation spread over her cheeks and kindred fires flashed from under her long silken lashes how beautiful art thou my adored one exclaimed carignano as he contemplated the glorious loveliness of her looks and then he pressed his lips to that mouth which was so voluptuously formed and which rather resembled a luscious fruit than anything belonging to human shape oh how i long to call thee mine to know that thou art indissolubly linked to me but say tell me when shall this happy happy union take place when wilt thou accompany me to the altar let us depart for england without delay my dearest lorenzo murmured laura lavishing upon him the most tender caresses and there in london our marriage can be celebrated immediately after our arrival have you any tie and business on hand to retain you in paris none in the world was the answer and even if i had 
everything should give place to the accomplishment of my felicity and the fulfillment of your wishes then let us take our departure as early as convenient to-morrow morning said laura and we shall not separate in the meantime observed the young count straining the siren to his breast she murmured a favorable reply and after some minutes of tender dalliance she hastened to give her servants the necessary instructions relative to the preparations for her departure a delicate supper was then served up and the sparkling champagne made the eyes of the lovers flash more brightly and enhanced the rich carnation glow of their countenances the timepiece struck eleven and they were about to retire to rest when rosalie hastily entered the room and approaching laura said in an undertone mademoiselle your mother has this moment arrived i told her that you were engaged and she awaits your presence in the breakfast parlor it is my mother dear lorenzo laura observed to the count who had not overheard the abigail's communication but her arrival will not in any way interfere with our arrangements she hastened to add perceiving that the young nobleman's countenance suddenly expressed apprehension and yet you yourself appear to be but little pleased at this occurrence dearest laura he whispered gazing fondly upon her i could have wished it were otherwise she responded but no matter there is nothing to fear i am independent of my mother have patience for ten minutes and i will return to you with these words she pressed his hand tenderly and then hurried from the apartment the discreet rosalie having already retired the moment she had delivered her message laura hastened to the breakfast parlor and there she found her mother whose garments indicated that she had just arrived in paris after a journey in an open vehicle and on a dusty road End of section seventy eight